0: You're listening to The Building Code, your guide for a better way to run your business. I'm Tom Houghton. I'm Paul Worth. Hey, Paul. Hey, Tom. We've got a great series of episodes here. This is our first ever. We've been on a roll. We have been. Okay. The roll continues. Here we go. But if you're just joining, if you're just subscribing to The Building Code, go back and take a listen to the past few, because we've had some exceptional guests on, and we are not stopping. No, no. And we have a, a special treat today. Oh, my because we're doing our first ever like back-to-back cliffhanger episode. Wow. So at the end of this, we're going to say something like tune in next time.
1: I don't think we are. I'm pretty sure you will be. Oh,
0: <laughs> uh, well, <yeah. laughs> that's, always that's been, my job. It's always been your job. That's my Hollywood, job. Yeah. Tom. yeah, that's me. But yes, I get it. That's yeah. fun. So today we're joined by Dallas Stobie, general manager of Haven Builders. And on our next episode. We're going, be, we're going to be joined by their design manager, Sharissa, and she will be talking about more stuff to come. But we're, So we're doing this kind of as a back-to-back combo. It's going to be great. So one amazing company, yeah. two, two guests,
1: back-to-back. Yep. It's exciting. And
0: so. you're going to want to make sure you listen to both to get the full picture on Haven Builders because they're doing a lot of great work up in the Saskatoon area which that that name. (laughs) Saskatoon. It's fun to say. There's a lot of S's because it's Saskatoon, Saskatchewan. Well, enough about me. Let's talk about our guests. Let's bring Dallas on. Uh, He's joining us again all the way from Saskatoon. Dallas, how's it going?
2: It's going awesome. I actually was up early this morning and had a 6 a.m. round off in the golf course. So I did 18 holes in two and a half hours. So I just had to race over here.
0: Oh, that's that's like the best. Hold on. That's a good
2: start to your day. (laughs)
0: <laughs> That's
1: the best way to start your day. There's so many questions there. So it's light out at 6 a.m.?
2: Oh yeah, it's light at like, because we are so far north, it's light at oh. like 5 in the morning. Like I was going to take a picture this morning at like 5.20 20. the sun is like up there already. Yeah.
0: Yeah. They're on it. like the 52nd probably, you know, somewhere up in the 52nd parallel, which for those keeping track. The reason why I know this is because I used to live over in London, which, you know, so during summertime, you'd have really only six hours of like non-light hours. So 18, just yeah,
1: yeah. doing, carrying the one. Non-light hours, yeah. you mean night?
0: <laughs> 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 well, it doesn't ever get like, I mean, it gets dark, but it's not like, I don't know.
1: We'll see you. You just have to hey, kind of be there. Hey,
0: everybody, we'll see you later, non-light. <laughs> no, have, you a good non,
1: <laughs> have a good non-light Jeez, hours. Geez sir all right so and the other thing would be 18 holes in two and a half hours you're moving
2: yeah you're cruising Yeah, you're running he's, well, he's and, an expert golfer and, too and what'd you shoot uh kind of low 80s low 80s is very good 81 82 nice work yeah the guy has it's a great morning. shot two unders so he shot 70.
1: well done don't so wake him on yeah good morning
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah you gotta play with somebody always yeah, worse I want, than you I right? want
1: people at my speed <laughs> yeah there you go. yeah there you go there you go <laughs> awesome That's productive
0: Yes. Dallas, again, thank you so much for coming on the show. We want to talk, let's start off first off with Haven. Give us a background. Uh, Tell us about your background, but also the background of the company.
2: All right. So we started Haven in 2010 and uh, it started as the dream was kind of doing a luxury kind of high-end finishing home building company in Saskatoon. I had worked in kind of the cabinet industry in Saskatoon and kind of noticed that there was kind of design elements and features that were kind of missing from this town specifically that I've kind of seen. Cause I've traveled, you know, you know, Western Canada, I've been in kind of Asia overseas, I've uh, been all over the U S and you just see different architectural items and, and design features. And we hadn't really seen that in Saskatoon. So it's kind of, you know, noticing and recognizing an opportunity and putting a vision in place and then executing uh, the business. So we've been going at it for 10 years and, uh, you know, learned a lot of lessons along the way. Uh, I've definitely had to like grow as a person uh, in my skill set and and in my personality and and all that stuff. As because I'm naturally just an introvert, and, and uh, so it's it's been you know when you look back, there's a lot of changes and a lot of growth and and uh, a lot of work.
0: Yeah, I think that's a good. Let's. I'm gonna start with the the introvert side of things. Uh. Because I think Uh-oh. that's something. Well, yeah, I know, right? Every introvert's yeah. dream is like, let's talk okay, let's about talk you. About being, let's get being on a podcast <laughs> and talk about your
1: <laughs> biggest fears. Thanks, Tom. Right? What a nice host.
0: <laughs> <laughs> but I think that I think there's definitely listeners out there who would classify themselves as introverts, and I think it's and business owners in general. I agree.
1: I was going to say the same thing. You probably don't get into construction to be a forward-facing sales guy, but I would assume when you own your own business whether you like that or not, that's exactly what you are. You're the face of the company and you you're speaking to why somebody might be doing a project with you. And, and I had yep. the same question as Tom, um, you know, what was some of your experience early on doing that? And and you said you learned a lot, maybe just some high level stuff that you learned.
2: I uh, definitely had to make some very intentional, um, kind of changes in how I, you know, email people or dealt with people. And, uh, it's cause I, naturally see things as pretty black and white, right or wrong. And so in business, a lot of times I've had to learn that you need to be more diplomatic than anything. And uh, so it's it was more the diplomacy and and trying to, to, you know, let's figure out what's the best case scenario for both of us rather than me winning or, you know, being very like self-focused on that. It's more, and it's like, what's going to benefit the company the most? Like what's the long-term effects of the decision makings that we're doing? Um, Saskatoon's a really small town like it's there's three hundred thirty thousand people here but honestly like it's a tiny tiny town so word gets around easy so it's it's very much about reputation it's about upholding reputation a lot tons of referral business tons of people talking to other people and uh, you know we're at the point now where people will be oh this person told me about you guys and i'll be like i don't know who that is and you know that's the place you want to be right when people sure. you don't have a clue or never met or never even talked to you're like yeah go talk to haven and and at least give them a shot or see what they're about and you never know where that came from right whether it was random because we do a lot of like paid advertising on facebook we're very uh, active on social media on instagram so you know we have we feel like we have like a soft following on instagram because of the age demographic that we're dealing with they're not quite at the point where they would be necessarily purchasing our our product but they're we're planting the seed and so you know you're you're thinking five or ten years out you know when these guys you know maybe they're just getting out of out of optometry school or something like that or they're just getting into their chiropractic business and, you know in 10 years they're they're established and they're ready to kind of do that that dream home or the or the big one or get their you know transition their two or three kids to to a bigger house and, those are the steps we're kind of putting in place to make sure we're ready for that. So it's, you know, we're thinking about thinking about now and think but I think a lot about the future and where we need to go and what we need to do. So um a lot of times it feels like we're a little bit like team heavy, but we provide so many services for our clients that we're we are like no other builder in town. And well, yeah. I can talk about that too. Yeah, you should yeah. talk about
1: that because I was looking at your team uh on your website and and one role is uh architectural technologist. And I've, yeah I've been to, I don't, I dare to even imagine how many builder websites I've been to in the last 13 years, probably 20,000 or more. I've never heard that role. So talk a little bit about what David is at, at your company.
2: Sure. So David is a extremely talented person An architectural technologist is literally this almost the same schooling as an architect without the title, but they are very versed in building construction in envelope in so he he does all of his stuff on computer so he's drafting our house plans but he also for us which is very unique for for us is he does the 3d modeling so we're doing virtual tours with our clients we draw everything and when i mean everything we're so detailed as we also provide a um, furnishing service for our clients so we're drawing the furniture we're selecting the pieces that are going to be laid out in in the home and then we help the client purchase them through our design process, uh, so David is is a very very crucial piece to the puzzle because he brings that the drawing skill side, and uh, what he also does because of the three D and virtual tours, a lot of people have a difficulty you know visualizing what their home is actually going to look like when it's done, you know looking at a at a plan or a drawing lines on a page. Everybody has a different picture of what it looks like, right? Mm-hmm. And so when you actually get it on computer you get it on tv and you get to do a presentation then people are like oh i love this and you can make tweaks or adjustments pretty easily and and you're you know you remove all of the changes that you would normally do on site once you see something and say i don't like it or this wasn't what i saw in my head and you're like well you know when you're in that situation you're like well how come you didn't see that in your head right we drew it right here blah 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 like right it's a frustrating place to be in, whereas when you draw a virtual tour, there's no questions about what happened, right? It's This is it, right? right. And you get a lot more buy-in and your clients just like fall in love with it.
0: I think this is a, a great point, and I want to hang on this for a second, which is that I'm hearing more and more builders doing this, which is you're not only building the home, but you're also educating the, the your customer on what to put in the home to make sure you're completing it. And it's something that I think... Again, I don't know why I'm so surprised about this, but it's like any major purchase, it's like you buy a car, you want to know, like, what's the interior of the car look like, right? So you build a house and everybody thinks, oh, well, I want to know what the elevation looks like. And I want to know, and, you know, they think big picture, like, you know, what's the kitchen look like, you know, all that stuff. But no one's actually thinking about, like, what does it feel like? What is the sofa and stuff like that? That's going to go in your living room. And we can talk with uh, Sharissa more about that. And maybe we'll, again, tease that a little bit. I want to talk more about the design. But going back to the business side of things, did you start there? Or how long did it take you to get there? Because, again, I'm thinking other listeners who are probably not there yet. What's that road look like to get to this stage where you've got this architectural technologist and you've got somebody on the design team and you're offering these extra services? Because, like you said, you offer a ton did you yeah. start that way, or can you give us a background there?
2: That was a little bit evolutionary. We started with a really good person that we subcontracted to. But about five years in, then we actually brought somebody on staff. Um, the reasons for that is is really, really streamlining the process. So we design buildings from start to finish. And I, when I mean designing, I mean we're picking every single item for the home. And we do it in two months. And we can do that because there's a team of me, David and Trissa, and the three of us. So David's drawing it. Trissa's bringing in all of the design elements. And because we're in the same office, we can have our really quick chats and our check-ins and make sure we're on the same page. And we're also a team. So we're also sharpening each other and kind of pushing each other. And you don't have that when you're like, you're dealing with a subcontractor and they work for you and like, you can challenge them, but there's the, you know, there's not necessarily the team aspect. It's more of, you know, it's kind of up to them what they decide to do. Right. So there's a huge benefit to, to bring it in house and to also providing that service to our clients. Cause our clients also enjoy like meeting with David and, and talking to him and, and he's a, a big piece of the puzzle and it's very beneficial.
1: Yeah, and, and I think, you know, you had said something earlier that I've always said because I've never been one to understand plans or visualize when I can just see yeah. a blueprint. I just can't do it. It's not not in and I, I think there's many people like that. And so I, I would assume 3D modeling and virtual tours are things that are gonna be happening more and more. It doesn't sound like it happens a lot on the front end for a lot of clients. So I think that's a big one. And then, you know, even taking it to a next step, and this is probably your area, Tom, like an AR sort of situation where it's even more like spatial in there with with furniture and stuff is that something you guys have your eyes on and it sounds like it's treated you well so are you always keeping your eyes on the next sort of way you can do this with technology
2: i think you know realistically we're probably five years away from kind of the vr goggles as being kind of a commonplace thing and literally having a space in our building that's just empty space that you can walk around in and and, you know look in every corner of your home what it's going to look like Mm -hmm. you know that's a realistic possibility. I, I think within five years, it's going to be an investment obviously from, from a business standpoint. Um, we're, I mean, right now we're focused on trying to make sure that our renderings program is still going to be top of the line. So we're getting pretty accurate images when we're, when we're drawing stuff.
1: You see it as a competitive advantage. Yes. Within, even within your market.
2: Yeah, I think the the only downside of it is the overhead cost and having somebody on staff. Whereas, you know, if that's why as a as a business we have to always sell value and we're not selling on price. If we sell on price, we will lose because if somebody comes to us and says, "What's the what's your cheapest cost per square foot?" I'm just like, I can't help you. Yeah, but that's not what we do. We we do we build people's dreams, and we provide high-end services, and we are one hundred percent turnkey. So when you move into your home, your landscaping's done, and your furniture like you can sleep in your bed that night. Mm -hmm. We move all your stuff in for you. We make your bed, and and all your furniture's been purchased and and set up for you, and it's styled. and Let's try and not to put a price on that because our clients they don't. They don't say what's the price. They just say when is it going to be ready? Later. Right. Right. Yeah, yeah man, that's a
0: great point. And selling yeah. the value, that that's crucial. I do want to come back to the technology thing just real quick because, again, I do think that's something that, that you guys have as a distinction point for yourselves. Mm-hmm. I think this is an area that builders should be paying attention to. You know, there's a lot of rumors coming out that Apple's going to be coming out with these AR glasses. So, obviously, VR, virtual reality, I definitely think I could see more builders moving to that space really soon. You know, taking the 3D CAD renderings and things like that, and and putting them into goggles that people could wear. But I think oh, yeah. we could we could be getting to a spot here where you know you know we're having this conversation virtually, but if we were in your boardroom there with you, uh, you could pull out you know just like a little QR code. We'd put on some glasses and we'd take a look at you know what kitchen fixtures are going to be in the kitchen, and they'd appear as though they'd be right on the surface right there. I think that's wait. almost something else that to be thinking about and keeping an eye on, because I think consumers, you know, we see this technology more and more people are adopting it. And if we in the building industry don't work, people are going to come have these conversations be like, wait, what? what do you mean I can't see the house. Like we have all this technology at our fingertips. We should be able to do that. So I think that's a great distinction point for your business that you're already out there. You're already investing in it. And it sounds like you're also seeing the rewards from that.
1: The construction industry is always battling how to bridge the gap between what a consumer gets every day in their life in terms of technology and what they don't Mm -hmm. get when they build this huge custom home. And I think if you solve that gap as a business in all aspects from, from the moment they contact you, you, Till the moment you turn in the keys, if you can just somehow match what we get every day from you know th- the biggest companies out there, uh, like Tom just said, I think you're gonna be pretty well positioned. And it sounds like that's sort of where you're getting to.
2: Yeah, it's it's always, always has been, and always will be about about expectations. Mm-hmm. And so can you meet the expectations? And that's that's gonna be the story all the way through the build. Can we meet the expectations? And you know, when we fail on that or when we struggle with that, what what are we gonna do about it? And or how do we make this easier to meet expectations? Or how do we define, you know, you know, just because a client has an expectation doesn't mean it was right or correct, right? Yeah. So then it's like how do we how do we steer them so that we have, you know, the proper expectations and we can meet what they want. And the visualize the visualization is transformational to that process. Exactly. Let's speak to expectations
0: uh, a little bit here, mm -hmm. too, because, you know, when you're showing a virtual rendering, you know, I think we've all seen like those Pinterest fails. Right. So everybody sees like, oh, wow, look at how great this could look. And then you actually deliver the product and it looks something completely different. (laughs) How is your team? I'm just curious, like, how's your team wrestled with that? Because, again, when you show somebody a virtual rendering, it looks perfect. Right. And then you get out into the real world really building this product and you realize, oh man, this has got to change or this is not going to look the way. How do you (laughs) approach that with the clients?
2: I honestly haven't viewed that as a huge struggle for us because of the team that we have. When you draw things that are actually buildable from David's standpoint, where he actually puts the time in and the thought into it, it makes things a lot easier for project managers. And then we have a two month process where we design everything. So we pick everything for our home Everything is itemized in the Google Docs spreadsheet. So every, so we have a plumbing spreadsheet, electrical, and for every item in the home, there's, it's detailed out exactly what all these items are and there's links on the website. So when our project managers go to look at this document, they have all the information in front of them. So they're not, there's no questions to ask the client, there's no dialogue, there's only like questions of you know the little in-between stuff and, and what was the vision here, what was the idea here. When you do that, you, you take all of those question marks out of the picture because we also, because we pick everything and we design everything, we price everything and we, we offer our clients a fixed price contract, at the start of the job mm-hmm. and offering a fixed price contract is risky for us, but because we, because we can actually like design, pick everything and come to an actual starting point that we're finalized at the prices. And we've rendered everything so we can see the whole picture. Our clients aren't making changes because they've seen what the vision is. They're committed to it and they know what the cost is. So then they don't get into the job and they're like, this isn't what I thought it is. And now I have to spend a hundred thousand dollars more. And now I'm really angry at you because you lied to me and you said, I could build this home for this price.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's so smart.
2: You've got to get past that point. So you're always looking for clients that aren't looking for the cheapest price. They're looking for, they're, they understand the fear of going over budget and they understand the fear of being consumed by designing a house forever. And because it's a custom, like super custom houses. So I'll give you a couple examples. We literally have two homes uh, in kind of higher neighborhoods that we just, one of them is we are almost finishing because we're doing the landscaping for them right now. And the second one, we're about a month away from being completed. They're both around $1.5 million during a nine month period build process. The one house has $3,000 of change orders, which is client driven. And the other house has around $20,000 of change orders. This is on a $1.5 million house. So as a percentage, that's like pretty much nothing. Um, You know, people are, you know, when you're building a $700,000 house, they're talking about, they're worried about going over like a hundred, 150 and and what's going to happen to that. the big part is having a plan in place and then executing it. When we're in construction, you know, in the middle of a job, our clients are not they're not rushing to site to pick anything. They're not making decisions. They're not they're not canceling meetings or moving their work schedule or doing anything. They they meet with us on site to see the progress and they get super excited because they don't have to make any decisions. They just get to experience and see what's happening. And it's it's a ton of a ton of joy. If you guys, I mean, you may have watched some of our testimonial videos or some of our videos, but our videos with our genuine clients, that's all straight from them going through a process and just talking about how easy and stress-free it was. It always comes back to setting the expectations and having a plan in place.
1: Yeah, it, it sounds like you guys just put a lot of effort into the upfront, uh, like you said, set expectations, but you don't overpromise either. Like with Tom, yeah. Tom's sort of original question was like, you don't try to over-design and not know that you can't pull that off. So right. there's not that yeah. disappointment when you're done. So it right. sounds like yeah. your investment in uh, your people and then also your technology is paying off. But the one question I did from a business construction business point of view, how do you handle change orders? Because you said you know the one house has $3,000 in client-led mm-hmm. change orders. So that's agreed upon before with the client. But there's always such a gray area about what a change is order is do you guys just try to do a really good job of defining that up front
2: yeah we try to um it's pretty funny because no matter how many times you say this is going to be a change order it's still like "Mm, maybe it shouldn't be
1: (laughs) right (laughs) yeah
2: and uh i've kind of come to the point where we try to avoid them as much as possible
0: yeah
2: So, like make like as much as we can we plan at the start so if we do have change orders it's very clear that it is not our problem it's their choice and, mm-hmm. when, and when I say that it's customer driven that means they just they're like it wasn't like we screwed up it was like oh I just I trust you guys so much I just want to let me we should just add this little item now and, yeah or let's just make sure we get it done the classic builder industry is that we we're gonna we're gonna sign you to a prelim contract mm-hmm. and we're gonna design your house during construction and we don't know what's gonna cost and during the process oh, we're going to have these situations, and I've been in this spot before, we're going to have these situations where we're like, oh, your hardwood budget is $20,000, you want a $30,000 hardwood floor, uh, you have to cough up the extra 10 grand, and you mm-hmm. do that for every item of the house, and all you end up is, you just end up with an angry client who's frustrated, um, they're stressed out because it's their... Job to like figure out how the budget's going to shake out and where they're going to go over on or where they need to squeeze. Mm-hmm. And the dream dies during the process because they're so frustrated.
0: That's and a good it's point. no
2: fun for the builder either. Like,
0: yeah, nobody's winning. No.
2: Yeah. Part of what we did was recognizing, you know, the long list of like problems or um, tendencies of builders or. You know the stigmas, right, against building a custom home, mm-hmm. and uh, we did two things from that. We we set we sat down and we said we needed we have to figure out a way to do this differently. You've got to design first. And the second thing that we did was we I actually found, uh, and it's called the Association of Professional Builders, and they're out of Australia. Mm-hmm. And now that if, you guys may have heard of them, but mm-hmm. if, yeah, because they have. Um, some really, really awesome, very specific for builders coaching stuff that they do. You know, because the classic here's the classic um, construction industry, and I'm like 100% this person. I'm a I'm a carpenter. I'm a craftsman, and you know, along the way you're working, and all of a sudden you own a building company, and you're like, oh shoot, I'm I don't I didn't go to school for finance or for for um, you know managing people I don't understand insurance and you're dealing with all these things you've never even like thought of before and now it's your problem and you're like I'm just like I'm a carpenter I don't like all I care about is a nicely finished home and you have all these other things that you need to educate yourself on so you need to learn about work in progress and how that affects your your financial statements every month and you need to learn you know because construction invoicing and billing is so like it can be so complicated because you you can have jobs that cross into year end. So you're into the next year, but and it's just a, a nightmare from accounting. And uh, a lot of tons of people screw this up from a, from a building construction standpoint, because a lot of their accountants have a viewpoint of manufacturing and it's totally different in construction than manufacturing. Um, so we went through the association of, Association of Professional Builders. It was completely awesome. We did it for about, uh, about 18 months and it was, it was really good in helping me transform my mindset and building skills in, in developing this business and getting it going in the right direction. Part of it is still 100% like self-driven because we have to put the work in, but it's having somebody coaching you that's completely unemotionally attached to you and and giving you advice and and helping you, uh, figure out, you know, we we could talk about very specific client problems and how to deal with them, or we talk about the bigger picture of working on a business and making sure we have the right vision or the right direction.
1: Yeah. I mean, there's a lot. Great. There two things I picked up on, which is something you can do when you start a building business or something you can do when you take an honest look at what you're doing today as a building business is look at all the stigmas around building. Like, just they're out there, right? There's probably a top yeah. five we could all name. Yeah. Um. And then you know, evaluate your own business, right? Yeah. And understand, are you actually perpetuating those those stigmas, or are you doing something against those? And, yeah. and I think if you if you do if you do that, I think that you're probably in the top ten percent of construction companies out there, especially in your market, and it'll serve you well.
0: Because you also yeah. stand out instantly, yeah. you know what I mean. If we're saying the majority of it again, that's how you get a stigma, right? Is the ma- people feel like the majority of people act this way, and you know, again, I love that haven that you're you're dedicated to to changing that stigma. Again, I we here at Build a Trend we see ourselves as partners in your business, and we want the business, we want the industry to really turn a corner here and really change that stigma.
2: I'm just saying, like BuilderTrend is a huge part in being organized and being transparent with your clients, and and you know having centralized documents and you know having your calendar live and organized, and and we communicate only through BuilderTrend to our clients. So mm-hmm. whether it's you know video messaging or whether it's email, it's mostly email. But you know our our PMs, or project managers, are doing daily logs of what happens mm-hmm. on site, so we're tracking and documenting things, so we can actually look back and see, you know, what transpired, if there's issues that come up, or what the timeline's been, or what how long has it been since this happened, and it really helps you in kind of testing and measuring how to you know what to change or what to do better, and um, you know a lot of our focus is on continuous improvement, and you only do that by by analyzing and assessing what's happening. So mm-hmm. you have Absolutely. to have a way to like check that. So Build a yeah. Trend's Builder Trend's the perfect app for, for running a construction company.
1: We appreciate that. And I think lately we've 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 stayed away from talking about Build Trend on this podcast just because everybody knows that <laughs> <Yeah>. we, <work. laughs> we we work we work for Builder Trend. We love it. No like surprise there. It. But I think you you said two things that that we've tried to be working on a lot over the last couple of years, which is outside of the features and functionality of Build a Trend and the app you use, what else can we do to help business owners with the problems you just brought up? Uh, You know, many of them come up through the trades and that's their passion. And they did not go to finance school because a, that's boring right. and B, you know, who wants to figure out tax codes. Right. But so, you know, one of the things that, that we just launched was a p- partnership with month end. I'll, I'll just leave it there. It's a great company who helps with your finances and they're specialized to build their trend. And so we'll throw some links in, in the, uh, in the show notes for that, because I think that can be a really great resource for people.
0: Real quick to try to like sum this up because there's been yeah. so many great things, but I, I want to talk about the new development that you're working on and use that as a segue into our next episode a little bit. So I know sure. we, we had, we talked we chatted together on Instagram uh, a few weeks ago and you guys mentioned that you're building out in a new development area. You've got this kind of new opportunity there. Could you kind of tee that up a little bit for us? Tell me, you know, give me some details about it, but then also I want to, I think there's a lot of builders out there. You know, you're trying to find a new place to go, new land. It's always a trick of like figuring out where you're going to build next. Can you share yeah. about that process a little bit?
2: Yeah. So there's a development that we have been building in, uh, that which we, I would view as the development in Saskatoon, and it's pretty much full. Um, it's also a little tricky because it's the developer is also a builder, so there's a little bit of there's a little bit of issues that come up when you're like that. So what I really really like about Edgemont um, Park Estates is that the developer isn't a builder. Uh, so he has one goal in mind, that's selling lots. Um, so we're able to, to purchase lots from him. Uh, you know, we've had fairly extensive discussions about promoting this, this development and pushing it, but we've put in a lot of work in from our end in marketing it. So it's getting a lot of traction. Uh it's it's a great to me it's a really great development because it's they're about half acre to one acre lots. They're they're there are lots that should be inside city limits in Saskatoon, but they're not. They're two minutes outside. But the city always does kind of smaller size stuff. Um but they're priced they're priced great. They're around two two twenty five to two fifty for the lots. Um and so you get so you get a lot that's you know half acre, like it's not too much that you're overwhelmed by the maintenance of your yard and all the all the plants or trees that you need to maintain, but you also get your own space. Um and you you move away from kind of the fences in between everybody's yard everybody's yard and and kind of you know, drive into your garage, go in your house and hide, you know, as a it's it's much more of like a community base. There's and the best part about Edgemont, for sure, is that all of the amenities are there already. The parks are set up. There's a there's a tennis courts are there. The hockey rink is there. The developers have been very, very intentional about investing in the in the development before building any houses. And usually, I don't know what the case is with you guys, but usually what happens you build the houses and everything comes in and it might be 2 to 5 years later and everybody sits there and grumbles when is the park going in because it said it was last year and now it's this year and yep. and uh, you know you kind of lose steam when you do it that way so i see a lot of a lot of potential here and a uh, huge benefit that it could be a, could be a really really neat community and uh, we are very excited about edgemont
0: yeah, that's awesome. I think that is a great way of doing it because I agree. We we see that all the time here. You know, typically it's, you know, if you build it, they will come. But usually that's houses first and then all the yeah. extra stuff that goes along with it because they want to make sure that, you know, they've got the houses in. But I think reversing it, it shows, you know, you probably can sell the lots faster because all the other stuff is there already.
1: Yeah, we typically don't get our hockey rinks for like... <laughs>
0: Forever, (laughs) ever.
1: (laughs) I love it how it was parks, tennis courts, hockey rinks. Well, and we
0: talked about pickleball, they're gonna have pickleball courts there or something, so that's great. You know, swimming pools here, yeah, that's all good. Well, but they're only, yeah, Uh, it's a seasonal thing. It's a seasonal thing.
2: If there's no rink, there's gonna be a riot, yeah. (laughs) (laughs)
0: Yeah. We don't want that. (laughs) There's there's a quote from the neighborhood, (laughs) there is, yeah, (laughs) yeah.
2: That's how you fundraise,
0: exactly. (laughs) Awesome. Dallas, thanks for teeing that up for us. Again, listeners stay tuned for the next episode where we're going to continue talking about that development and other uh, aspects of the design world of Haven Builders. But Dallas, thanks for coming on and talking about uh, business in general and uh, how you've been running it. You guys have been doing a great job. Keep crushing it. Uh, We appreciate you working alongside Builder Trend to make your business better.
2: Yeah. Awesome. Thanks for having me on. I really, really enjoyed my time and uh, guys asked some great questions. It was fun talking to you.
0: Thanks, man. Appreciate it. Yeah. Take care. Love what you heard. Don't forget to rate and subscribe to our podcast so you can hear from more guests that will benefit your business. Also, please check out our show notes page for more information on what we discussed on this episode. You can find it at dot slash podcast. Thanks for listening. And we'll see you next time on the building code. Appreciate you.